This is a podcast about Marquis Smith. My name is Rick Carr, and for the past 30 years or so, I've been what you might call an ardent fan of the work of Mark Edward Smith and the band he founded, The Fall. I'm pretty typical of that cohort. White, male, middle-aged, middle-class, and again, ardent. Fall fans tend not to be casual fans. The late, great BBC DJ John Peel is pretty much our patron saint. All in on The Fall as his favorite band till the day he died. In January, Marky Smith died at the age of 60, not surprisingly given the amount of speed and booze he'd consumed. And over the next few days, social media and media media made it clear how many musicians acknowledged the man's influence. But Marky Smith's cultural legacy extends beyond the output of a band that never actually sold that many records. That is what this podcast is about. What Marky Smith's work meant to a philosopher, a professional athlete, a literary critic, an artist, and the lessons those people and others think we all might be able to learn from it. Roush! Mark Leckie was a teenager living near Liverpool in 1979 when he first heard The Fall and Marquis Smith. So it's like 40 years he's been in my life. But if you'd have ever asked me who my, you know, my favorite band or you know, what music I love that I'd never have said the full. Mark Leckie spent those 40 years building himself an international art career. His videos, performances, and installations won him Britain's highest honor for young artists, the Turner Prize, in 2008. The Museum of Modern Art's PS1 in Queens mounted a major retrospective of Leckie's work in 2016, and he chose a title for the show from a Marky e. Smith lyric, Containers and Their Drivers. For a long time, for the like the last ten years or whatever, I've paid a lot of attention to. Uh, Basically, I've, try, I've tried to copy his, his lyrics or his, you know, his, his style of writing. I've tried, or I've tried to absorb it, not copy it. I've tried to absorb it. Um, probably so much so that when he died, I've, I've just made the record myself, and I realised how sub full the lyrics are. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's it was a bit like, oh shit, they're just bad full lyrics. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> That's from the album Sound Voice Chimera by Mark Leckie and electronic musician Florian Hecker. Leckie says when he's writing, he has two sources of inspiration he turns to again and again. One's the collected works of the 19th century English artist and poet William Blake. The other is the collected lyrics of The Fall by Mark E. Smith. He's quite extraordinary in the same way that Blake was, I think. 
he's one of those characters that are like seem absolutely unique. Him and Blake both they made themselves emblematic of, of the time, I guess. But there's some there's something about Blake which is a kind of bridge between a sort of romantic past and an industrial future. And and there's something about Marquis Smith which is he's like an anachronism as well. He's kind of it's it's those people I guess that are, that are interesting because they're 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 kind of in a this moment of of, of ch- a, a, a kind of interregnum like the, there's some and there's some force pulling them back and forward at the same time. Marky Smith paid tribute to William Blake in 1988 when the Fall reimagined Jerusalem, the unofficial English national anthem with lyrics drawn from Blake. When Blake coined the phrase Dark Satanic Mills, he was acknowledging their birth, their arrival, the waves of industrialization that washed across Britain during his lifetime. Smith looked at those mills at the opposite end of their life cycle. Blake's visionary language conjured the possibility of a new millennium. Smith described everyday catastrophe totally deadpan. When I trucked off uh, on a discarded uh, banana skin uh, And on my way down uh, I caught the side of my head uh, On a protruding uh, brick uh, chip uh, It was the government's fault uh, It was the fault uh, of the government uh, I was uh, very let down uh, With the budget uh, I was expecting uh, a one million quid uh, handout. Uh, I was very uh, disappointed. Uh, it was the government's fault. Uh, it was the fault uh, of the government. You know, Marky e. Smith comes out of a dying culture. You know, he worked at the docks. I mean, where I grew up, it was a dock culture, and, and you know, you you saw this. You know what you'd seen as, as in some way natural thing. This natural environment just just die very quickly. You know, it just disappeared very rapidly, and no one had time to really adjust to it. But also, what I think I like about him is it's not he's too alive to the world to just to just be melancholic. You know, he wasn't he wasn't Morrissey. You know what I mean? There was there was he wasn't. He, was, he seemed more present than that, you know what I mean? When what used to excite you does not, like you've used up all your allowance of experiences, Lecky thinks the source of Smith's presence is pure anger. Just. 
To be able to like marshal that anger, to be able to like use it as a as a as a force is a yeah, that's a rare that's a rare beast. I mean, I just feel like such a a wuss when I, when I kind of I I think I think I'd be everything he despised. <laughs> right. I couldn't handle that level. I couldn't, you know. I'd never have wanted to meet him or go near him. <laughs> that um, that anger is kind of interesting because if you look at his peers, uh, you know, sort of people from that same generation. I, you know, I guess you could say sort of John Lydon. Yeah. Uh, is sort of emblematic of that. Uh, he turned out to be kind of the only one who truly was angry. Yeah. For for the long haul. Yeah. That I find that interesting. That that in a way he was more punk than Johnny Rotten. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how you survive on that kind of dark energy for that long. All the people I know or I've ever known who had that kind of energy, it usually it usually end up destroying them in some way. That's what's unique about him is that is that ability to be productive. To be productive with that kind of anger. Because usually it dissipates in all in the case of all the others you talked about. You know, it just uh, they it gets resolved somehow, right? I think that was what what makes him a great artist is that he. I think there was a there was a mechanism he had to be able to feed on that energy without it totally destroying him. Although you know it did, but it still he got a lot out of it out of that one. You know hard black lump within him it, it had an incredible amount of radiation it threw out If Mark Leckie had to point to one irrefutable piece of evidence in favor of Marky Smith's brilliance, it's the title to a song that Leckie thinks sums up the way Smith saw himself as an artist, as a proletarian from a dying industrial dump in the north of England with lots of chips on both shoulders. Or as Marky Smith put it, northern white crap that talks back. Pink press rats! The title is Prole Art Threat. I'm riding through class on a one class train. I'm sort of not like a windy crane on a pink pole threat. Get out the pink press threat file. An umbrella bath the subject. It's Nilos, Rico's time. See, I think that alone is like genius, right? Not just the idea of it, but he he enacted that he he kind of uh, embodied that idea of a prole art threat which is a kind of different kind of language you know language isn't for you right if you're working class maybe if you're i don't know but if you're working class language isn't yours right 
language is something that's spoken about by people who are well educated and the rest of it you know he made language his and i think that's very appealing to anyone who feels like they haven't really got a voice in the world you know it's it's another kind of it's a language that can only be sung or can only be spoken or can only be um has to come out the body in some way directly and it has its own particular rhymes and uh and its own sort of sense of humor and all the rest of it mm. and that that's what makes him special to me personally i mean i'm too i'm too middle class now to be a prolar threat but <laughs> it's it, it 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 was that kind of that was definitely a, a call to arms that that kind of idea and that's that's the th- I, I, part of that anger to me is something that really comes out of his working classness yeah and something that he i mean i'm sure towards the end of his life he was pretty middle class too but i don't think so <laughs> no i mean he I was signed to a major label for a while <laughs> I think, yeah but he still like went and pissed it away and you know yeah did his nothing with speed it's like i don't you know not, none of my none of my pool of friends these days are like doing speed you know what i mean <laughs> But there is, um, he sort of maintained that that working classness, and that was sort of the source of the anger. I, I've yeah. always sensed. Yeah, but I think you know the risk of that is that you just that uh, you retreat into a kind of sentimentality. You know what I mean? Hmm. And I think he was very good at avoiding that trap. I mean, he was such a you know he was he was such a misanthrope as well. You know what I mean? That he was never gonna. He was never going to lord the the working classes as 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 a kind of you know as a body. Hmm. Was he because he he didn't like people much? I don't think <laughs> enough. There's something else about his work that I've noticed. There's there's a parallel I think in your work, which is that he could be spectacularly funny. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's he, good. He was hilarious, and I wonder if that is something that you ever sort of focused on consciously. Because I mean, I find a lot of your work funny. I mean, it's language, isn't it? It's it's like, I mean, he grew up, you know, he grew up in Manchester. I grew up, you know, near Liverpool. But you know, it's very, there's a big Irish influence there, big Irish contingency there, and there's a kind of Irish pleasure in language, right? just the sound of it, just to play with it, you know. So I grew up with everyone taking the piss out of each other, everyone, everyone, you know, funny people were, were highly venerated, you know what I mean? They were the smart ones, if you could be really funny in, in, a, in a smart way. I don't mean just telling crap gags, I mean just you had a good uh, a wit, you know. They were the people you looked up to and they were the people you tried to emulate. And it was their use of language, it was their ability to kind of make words do things that 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 used to fascinate you and and be very seductive you know what i mean so it's like it's partly to do with it comes out as humor but it's about it's a i think it's about pleasure of language it's like being able to use words and then and then being able to use words like to be funny but also to be sharp you know and hurt to use words to be to hurt people with which is like you know that's the sort of humor i grew up with I mean, I'm saying funny, but it's like, it could be nasty as well, nasty funny, you know. 
and all that stuff was always funnier when someone had drunk because what drink does to your language as well and Marky e. Smith had that he talked like a drunk he talked like a clever he talked like a his lyrics are like a clever Irish drunk you know you grow up with clever Irish drunks that's what they sound like <laughs> you know <laughs> so something's kind of bypassed their brain and the you know it's just mm. it sort of flows You know, he's a hip priest, right? He's a, he's a, there's some element of proselytizing there. You know what I mean? It, but it, it was, you know, people like that usually don't communicate, or they don't broadcast on that level. You know what I mean? That's that's the other thing about him. Usually, people like that, it's much more uh, either in a pub or, you know, it, it's a close. It doesn't it doesn't usually go beyond a very small narrow compass. And that was what was amazing about him is that he, he wanted to broadcast that. He wanted disseminate it one of the things that struck me when he died is the kind of outpouring of i don't want to say grief but sort of remembrance of him i mean the guardian had several front page pieces the day he died and it almost my wife and i were talking about it it's almost as though he was kind of recognized as like an irascible english national treasure yeah yeah, I didn't like that bit about it. <laughs> I did. I don't. Yeah, that seemed like that seemed like the worst way to commemorate him. Actually, you know, I don't know. I I sort of stayed out. I mean, I think. Look, I think. I think all these. You know, all, if if you're of a certain generation, all the all your heroes and heroines are are, are dying off, and there's a kind of uh, weird grief feedback system with social media it's like i don't you know i didn't want to be part especially I, I don't want to be part of it anyway but especially with him i didn't want to be part of that at all that's hip hip How much longer could he exist for, you know? Not just because of what he did to his own body, but just... I don't know if you can comment on the 20th century anymore with any real vitality. His, his job was done. That's kind of what I'm basically trying to say. So take the long track down. For the head priest. A ton of thanks to Mark Leckie for taking time out to talk to me from his kitchen in London. And thanks to the folks at Gavin Brown's Enterprise here in New York City for putting me in touch with him. Thanks also to Diantha Parker and Birgit Rathsman. 
If you want to get in touch, email me. The address is a podcast about MES, all one word, a podcast about MES at gmail.com. On the next episode, I'll be talking with essayist and critic Toby Hazlitt about Marky Smith. He was a working class boy who preposterously knew the word parallax and knew the word pontifex. And so his songs are just dotted with these valiant, vindictive assertions of erudition, in spite of the fact that he had no business talking like he was from a class that he wasn't. That's on the next podcast about Marquis Smith. My name's Rick Carr. Thank you for listening. Thank you.